With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Tonight we're doing a hybrid episode where we have... First coming on, we have uh, Derek from uh, Gridiron Metalworks. It's a company that makes a lot of college-related uh, grill plates and a bunch of other really cool stuff. Wanted to talk about what he does, kind of how they got started. Um, absolutely fantastic KU stuff. So definitely check that out. It's a great interview. Lots and lots of fun. Uh, and then after the break, we're going to have Kendall Cout uh, from Our Daily Bears come on to talk about this Baylor-Kansas game that's happening on Saturday. So wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about this game. Uh, we weren't able to cover too much of it because we weren't really sure what to expect um, back when I was talking with Fetch earlier in the week. So um, let's, let's get you right on over to Derek. And I'm joined now for, uh, by Derek from Gridiron Metalworks. And for those of you guys that have no idea what's going on here, you're like, well, wait a minute, what is this? And I'm going to tell you, I was, you know, messing around on, on Twitter one day happened to get sent something that was some really fabulous looking um you know big metal decorations actually it was it was purdue and indiana were the ones that were being shown there and i thought it looked pretty cool uh you know it was like man that would look absolutely fantastic if you had you know something with a jayhawk on it and then was immediately pointed to the kansas lineup that they have here um so gridiron metal uh, uh derek i'm actually going to go ahead and, and ask you to explain what exactly is gridiron metal and and what is it that you guys do? Uh, yeah, um, so gridiron gridiron metal or gridiron metalworks. Um, so I, I guess some background on on me. I'm I'm historically a metal fabricator and laser cutter. And uh, honestly, the way it started, what what the gridiron metal product line is is uh, you know we we say we say custom home goods for for the college fan. So we do we do uh, uh like grill grates is probably our largest seller actually bar none our largest seller so we'll actually take um in our lasers and we'll integrate in your guys case you know like the uh in in the, we'll take the jayhawk logo and we basically integrate it in and we cut it into uh stainless steel or carbon steel grill grates and guys use them for their webers or big green eggs or you know traggers or, or what have you we do uh, we do a ton of that and that kind of turned into charcoal chimneys and that turned into planters and flower pots and uh we do bookends and desk decorations and uh basically stuff that's uh you know you get tired of drawing trailer parts all day uh in solid works and uh and that sort of was the onset of a onset of a business to be honest with you yeah i mean so so what made you think to get into doing college licensing because because i know that there's a lot of colleges that are very picky about what they do licensing wise and they're not usually pretty um I guess upfront and and you know eager to jump into non traditional you know so like non clothing or, or other things like that. So what was it that made you decide you wanted to do you know colleges and and how did you get started there? 
So I am sitting right now about uh, a quarter mile from from Mackey Arena or Ross A Stadium in Purdue University. It's where I I live uh, basically on Purdue University. My me and my wife and kids, and um, so we're we're involved in that community anyway. And what happened, you know, we've gotten asked for random stuff over the years and, and we've, I try not to do it because licensing folks are aggressive, you know, I mean, so, so cranking out, even if you can do it, cranking, cranking out something for your buddy is not exactly advised. Um, if you don't want to get nasty grams from, from any number of people. Right. Um, so what happened though was, um, about a year ago, I mean, gridiron is new. Our, our business isn't new, but gridiron is, is just about a year old. It was, um, I'm, I'm hesitant in some ways, you know, business wise to call, uh, COVID a blessing, but, um, but certainly in, in the case of gridiron, it happened because I had the vast majority of my, uh, industrial business wiped off the books, um, you know, about the first week of March, people started getting scared and, and customers started large uh, trailer OEM customers and they started pushing orders off the books and you kind of look at each other and, you know, my wife and I look at each other and you look at a factory full of really expensive metalworking equipment and you go, well, <laughs> what, what do you want to do? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> and uh, so um, I had I had a contact in the university that that said, "Hey, you know, we're we're doing something for a fundraiser. Could you make a handful of?" And it was the stainless bookends. And and they what well, they said, "Can you just make something cool? With the university logo. We'll get you your licensing. Don't worry about it." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, okay." Uh, so we made it. They loved it. Um, and then a lot of universities. Something for for listeners out there that are curious about this. A lot of your universities. If you were an in-state manufacturer for that for that university, they will have some of them call it a crafter's license, some of them call it a a small manufacturer's license. They, but but what they'll do is they'll, a lot of times they'll handle that at the university level instead of like a CLC Learfield or a Fermata or the big agencies, uh, and they'll say, okay, you know, if you want to sell stuff at at trade shows or you want to sell stuff, you know, wherever we we still want to see a sample, we still want you to be licensed. Uh, we'll limit you to, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year in sales. But if if you give us a sample and we like it, we'll we'll let you produce a little bit. Right. And so I'm like, well, okay. So so I did that and uh, <clears throat> we blew through, threw it up on Twitter. It didn't even have a website for Gridiron yet. Um, you know, incidentally, our new, more robust website goes live. I think it's Saturday that, that the developer said, but we didn't even have a website at the time. It was literally Twitter throwing some pictures out there people dm and me being like hey I, I want that hey we want that hey can you do this or and we blew through our twenty five hundred dollar crafters license in like it was like a <laughs> week it was, it was like a week and oh uh, and, and we're like oh, okay now so so i called uh erica austin who, who she actually just announced last week she's leaving but she's a she's the licensing manager at purdue and i called her i'm like erica she goes wow sounds like you need to get licensed <laughs> and, um, and so I was able to parlay and I would recommend anybody do this, this way. I was able to parlay, Hey, you know, when, when I went, I went to CLC and, um, that sort of answers the Kansas question that you had there on, on the, you know, the outlier of, of a bunch of schools. And then, and then here you guys are, um, that, that took me to CLC. Well, so, so when you get through CLC's initial process, it's rough. I mean, they're, they're great people. They're very helpful, but it's a, it is a purposefully, it's like a weed out class in college, right? Like right. They, they want some people to pass, but they also want a whole lot of people to say, you know what, this just probably isn't worth it. Um, and so we went through the CLC process and it's, you know, insurance and financials and, and all the different, you know, product samples and money and, uh, and, for whatever reason, um, honestly, I think it was probably Purdue on the back end making a phone call. That's my speculation, but uh, <laughs> um, but Those we got connections. we got we got. I mean, we just these aren't people I know personally, but we just we'd done some cool stuff for them, and so they were right. willing to say, "Hey, you know, yeah, these these guys are are," um, and we're we're a, a decent sized established business outside of this product line, which I'm sure 
because the honestly the biggest hang up for college licensing is is the product liability insurance um it's probably right. the biggest one and you know i've got a larger business um that sort of subsidizes that that's allowed this business to grow in a way that would probably be maybe a little more difficult for somebody who just said hey i've got a really cool idea um so we started off with Purdue and um and and so your question about you know you look and hey here's Kansas um i basically this i would love to to do a cool like you know i mean my gosh after what you guys did to us in basketball in 2017 i i don't know why you're on my website but <laughs> um, but uh you know i it it I, I really went through the the USA Today list of monetization at fan bases and started saying, okay, these people are obviously dedicated. These people are obviously dedicated. These people are obviously dedicated. And um, and you guys made that sort of initial list. Um, I'd love to, to be more romantic than that, but it's really not. Um, it's really not. So and then in 2021, uh, we've actually – I've got a full-time uh, – a solid model designer in this business. Now we hired, uh, we actually hired a guy by the name of Paul Sadler, um, who's the director of creative design for Purdue athletics. We'll see if they still take my phone call going forward, but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I kid, we, we have a very close relationship with the university. Paul was looking for a change. And, and, um, so we hired a, a, a really well-known graphic designer. Uh, we've got about 40 more schools, that are not on the website yet that will be when the new one goes live on Saturday. And, you know, our goal is to add three to five D two through NAIA schools a week and one to two power five conference schools a month um, through, through 2021. So it'll, it's going to get pretty broad, pretty quick. Yeah, that that's kind of crazy. I'm I'm gonna be real honest. I the, the main reason I found you guys because like I I am also on a, a Big Twelve podcast, um, and one of their sponsors is Homefield Apparel, and so you know I love sure. the way that they do their marketing and everything, and they kind of have you know the off the wall stuff that you wouldn't normally expect to yeah. find, and yeah. you know Connor and I have this, a very similar Twitter voice. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. I do a lot. Uh, great guy, great business. Um, yeah. 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 And, and, and actually I think that's what kind of made, you know, made this jump out was that, you know, I, I'm, I'm always looking at, you know, funny stuff on Twitter or looking for brands that, that I can kind of, you know, see the voice of the person behind it. And I, I think that's kind of one of the new ways that a lot of people are marketing things. And some people obviously do it better than others, but you know, it kind of, it kind of jumped out and I was like, man, this is a, you know, really cool looking product. And you make know, a cool product is, and we just try and have yeah. fun. I mean, it's just look, it's it's grill grates, man. It's this sounds this it sounds like I'm making light of my own business. And and in a way, I mean I am. Obviously, we want it to be successful. We're passionate about what we do, we're hiring people, we're putting on schools, we're spending money. Uh, to be honest with you, and this isn't something, you know, I well, let's put it this way. I sold, I went under an LOI with my main industrial business three weeks ago and we closed next week on the deal. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm selling my industrial business because this business is fun and this business has legs. So it, yeah, I mean, that's not something I don't even know if we told our, our, you know, if you look at it's, it's difficult, right? I'm a, I'm a fifth generation Purdue grad. I live on Purdue university. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, man, how do I, you know, I love my university, but you know, I can't make a living selling, uh, you know, we're a big school, but we're not that big. And right. so, and so it's kind of been an interesting challenge of talking to guys like you of, you know, it just happens that your core, your core oldest followers are going to come from the place you started and the place which still currently, no, it probably won't be this month, actually. But historically, it's been our largest for the last year. It's far and away our largest seller because, I mean, we know these people. Right. And so how do we how do we have fun? How do we poke fun at other fan bases and let them know? Like, I mean, if you look at our Twitter, it, it says, I, I think in our profile, it's our, our sort of unofficial slogan is something along the lines of, like, rooting for your school unless they're playing ours. Um, you know, and it's – but how do you, how do you how do you engage with all these other fan bases and everybody they're passionate about their stuff right and uh and have fun but yet not you know come across this prickish or you know whatever um well to be honest sorry, it's, I don't know if I can it's, say that on your podcast but there you go 
<laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, it's it's to have really cool to- toys to show them. I mean, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you so know it's, I mean, it's, the, the other thing, too, I mean, and, and I think what really kind of jumped out to me is that you know, looking at this, you know, as it stands right now, this kind of eclectic group of, of you know, schools that you have, this is something that you don't really think about, you know, in terms of like a, a, a custom grill grate with, with your school. Yeah. Unless you actually like someone shows it to you, and like like I wouldn't have thought of like desk desk decorations it, or planters or bookends or any of that stuff, you know, unless I had actually seen it. And of course, now that I've seen them, like I want all of them. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and we actually like, have a handful of these coming your way still. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but uh, you know, it's it's you, you are exactly right. Our social it, media presence is fundamental. I actually, um, it, it was, it was like the first or second week of January. And I have, I have, we, so I have, I have our, our gridiron Twitter account, which it, we just have fun with. It's, um, Leslie who runs the account, who runs our, our social media and our customer service. Um, she, so she runs it during the day to day, but then I'll hop on at night and make some snarky comment or we'll, of you course. know, there's running, there's running gags and stuff on that account. But one of the running gags is that Leslie doesn't even exist. Um, so, you know, that she's some sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm a 6'3", 330-pound, like, bearded, curly-haired, like, man. And and so Leslie, I've, well, we've been accused that Leslie is actually just, like, our alter ego, uh, is, right. is my, you know, Twitter alter ego. She posted something yesterday where it was, like, her, like, eating a taco, and she's like, She's like, hey, just wanted to prove our existence or my existence here real quick, you know, and, and sends it. Um, <laughs> and I jumped in on my personal account directly under it and just said I was hacked. <laughs> she's like, she texts me. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, sorry, Leslie. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we just we just try to have fun with it. If you go to our Facebook page, and maybe this is. I'm not the best promoter, I guess, in this way, being this honest on, on, if you go to our Facebook page, like it's basically ads, right? It's, it's post. Here's our product. Here it is. Um, none of us really know how to use Instagram. It's there, but hell, I don't even know what, uh, but our Twitter is sort of where we just kind of have, I mean, you'll see some product posts on there, but more often than not, you'll see us jerking around with people on Twitter. I mean, that's what, <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how we use it. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, you know, and I, I do think that that's one of the ways in terms of advertising and, um, you know, it, it's definitely helpful to kind of have that voice like with our own, you know, I right over at Rock Chalk Talk as well. And, you know, our, uh, um, our Twitter account, you know, like that's how we actually grew the Twitter account was we, we found a guy who had, a, you know, the ability to, to do all that commentary, to interact with everybody and kind of, you know, lend his own voice to the Twitter account. And that got people engaged, got people interested. And then once you have them interested, then they're going to see everything about your products or, you know, about your articles yeah. or wh- whatever else it is that you're doing. And so like, that's, that's really what it, what it comes down to. But of course it, it, it obviously helps to have really great products that you can actually show out, you know, show out there. And you have to have, have, to have it. Like, so, people, right. don't want, people don't want crap, right? They don't like, if you don't have a quality, like unique product like i saw something on twitter today something along the lines of like how to succeed at business it's a popular thing going on right now and it's like hire good people pay them well leave them alone um and i and i subscribe to that but what it it starts at that tweet like assumes the base level which is that you have a good idea and a good product and good execution and like if you don't have those things it doesn't matter who you hire or how well you pay them or like you have to, you have to be good at what you do. And we, and, and we, I do have people that are really good at what they do. So, so jumping back over to your products, cause I'm, I'm curious, you've got the grill grates, you've got the bookends, you've got, you know, the, the, the decorations and the planners, what's one, you know, kind of product that maybe either you've, you've thought about doing and haven't been able to make work or that you want to try to branch out to and you just haven't done it yet. God, you are throwing me softballs, Andy. That's a fantastic question. Um, so I just bought, uh, I bought a large um, engraving laser uh, last week. I don't remember what day, uh, but that comes in, uh, that, that comes in, I think, third week of March, fourth week of March, something like that. And what that will let us do is we've got a lot of, um, 
I want to I, I want to grow around predominantly around food and beverage, specifically like food and wine and, and the cocktail culture and a grill culture. So right. So um, we've got a lot of like really cool, intricate, like stainless coasters that we'll be coming out with and like high. I mean, it's 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 stuff that it's not like super. We're not reinventing the wheel, um, but we want to do some really cool. We want to do really cool coasters. We want to do um, some more like grill accessories of like high end chef level. I mean, you can go out and buy a Kansas or a Purdue, like fish turner, large, like spatula. Right. But right. Most, most of them are crap. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> and, and so, so we want to make a quality, like chef level type of that, of that kind of product that, you know, it's expensive. I mean, dude, our, our, our charcoal chimney is freaking 80 bucks. You can go right. buy a 20, you can go buy a $20 charcoal chimney at Home Depot. Um, but my charcoal chimney is, you know, the, the one at Home Depot is 030 pot metal that's not painted. Mine's 060 stainless, right? Like it's, right. Um, and so we, I really want to get in some high end around, around food and wine. Uh, we'll do some really high end stainless, like custom actually cut, not just the, the engraved ones you see from overseas uh, that are kind of, you know, conversation pieces that it, it sounds cheesy, but I, I enjoy, I've spent the last 20 years of my life, like meeting a daily demand to large equipment, OEMs and manufacturers. Where's my stuff tomorrow? Where's my stuff tomorrow? Where's my stuff tomorrow? And I'm really enamored with the idea of, with the sale of other business and us really being able to focus on like high end, really quality, long lasting products that I, I'm enamored with the idea of you and your buddies at a tailgate, you know, standing around, a grill that's got, you know, that, that's, that has the Kansas logo, you know, in it that people, it's just a conversation piece. And I, it's, it sounds like, you know, promoterish, I guess, but I, I like, I like that idea in my, in my mind. Um, so that's kind of the stuff that we're trying to, what does someone take and put in their truck and, and head to the tailgate with? Or they want to go out to their backyard and entertain around that represents like that fandom, like, those are the those are the products that I'm thinking of and what they would grab to do that with. How can we get how can we get the logo that they love on those things in a quality product? Yeah, definitely. And you know, to, to be honest, I've I've gotten enough cheap Kansas stuff that, you know, breaks after <laughs> after you've used it three yeah. or four times to to realize that, you know, it may be a little bit more expensive, but you know, it's, it's especially the Kansas stuff that I want to get now, or like the, you know, the, the other sports teams that I follow, the stuff that I want to get is stuff that's going to last. That's going to be interesting. And that, you know, is going to be something that I can, that I can enjoy multiple times for years to come. And I mean, I can't look, looking at what you guys have online. It's hard for me to imagine that anything that anybody gets from your, from your website is, you know, going to be something that they're not going to be using all the time, but they're not going to be using for a really, really long time. So it's so much fun. We get picked like, you know, I live, I, I'm, it's, it's, I'm leaving a world where, you know, I bail out, you know, we bail out an OEM and save them, you know, $200,000 on Tuesday because we, we didn't keep in and I get yelled at for why, you know, Wednesday wasn't awesome where I send somebody out a $150 grill grate, they'll put it in their grill, get their family around it, take a picture and then email it back to us. Like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's just, it's, it's wildly gratifying. And it's just, it's a lot of fun to see people enjoying something that you put in a box. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you talked about how it's lobbing your softballs. The only thing that I can find to complain about is I'm looking at the picture for this chimney that you have for, for, for the Kansas chimney, the grill that that's on looks like it's in really rough shape, but other than that, I, I can't find anything. to complain uh, about. Yes, it is. It is. So actually <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, our pictures are going to get a lot better with the new website and our, and, and what we're doing with the new, we're actually redoing our facility as part of the, the business transaction I'm doing. So we're actually putting in a basically kitchen studio in the front of our shop and, uh, we're putting a big stainless fume hood in and I actually just bought a Kamado Joe today. Um, and then we'll put our Traeger in next to it, but we'll be able to actually do, like regular product, like cooking videos inside with the fume hoods on. And so our pictures and our content, um, 
uh, are, are going to get a lot better and, and, and a lot more regular and a lot more fun. We're, we're excited about uh, – we want to turn this into a lifestyle company, right? We want to turn yeah. it into something that, like, we're on we're on various social media platforms doing – doing a short grilling show, but we happen to, we happen to have, you know, XYZ school on the grader in the background or we're, you know, um, that's, we're, we're, we're trying to turn it into a lifestyle business. I'm, I'm ready to have some fun in my professional life, man. And, and I feel like these products are a way to do it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, the only, the only final comp that I have is that the first time you guys use that kitchen studio to grill a Jayhawk head into a piece of steak, you got to send me the picture. So, I will. I will. One last <laughs> thing. I'm telling you that it's, it's actually one product that I missed on earlier. It is getting approval right now. Um, we actually have, have created a searing station oh, that nice. is, that is, it's a six pack of, it, it looks almost like a small cookie sheet, but on the cookie sheet are six logos that are reversed that stand up off the cookie sheet. It's made out of stainless steel. Um, so you can actually take that, you can put that on the grill and heat it up. And oh, then that is you awesome. can actually load steaks or burgers onto those six stations and it'll sear in that logo. So when you flip it, because the, the one thing I hear the most is, oh, that's awesome. I can I can grill my my Jayhawk head and I say you can in negative and this will solve the negative problem when they flip it. You'll actually look right. So, so. that that is amazing. I cannot I cannot wait. Well, I'm excited about that. that. So. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well. Hey Derek, it was it was great to talk to you. Where can the people find all of your products and and what is the uh, the tag there for that Twitter account? I appreciate that. Um, our Twitter account is uh, at Gridiron Metal, um, and uh, you'll see us on there. We are particularly active on Taco Tuesdays. Um, I noticed, <laughs> and, and, uh, um, and then our website is just GridironMetal dot com. G R I D I R O N M E T A L dot com. Uh, and then it's uh, uh, slash Kansas if you want to specifically go to uh, if you want to specifically go to the Kansas sort of library, if you will. Awesome. Well, Derek, thanks again. All right. I appreciate it. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big Ten, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And I'm joined now by Kendall Cote of uh, Our Daily Bears. Kendall, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing well, Andy. Happy to join you and talk about uh, basketball. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. Um, you know, it's, it's been a while. I know that we tried to... to link up for the last game that Kansas and Baylor had and unfortunately just couldn't make it work. But, uh, you know, given, given, um, the, the lack of games that Baylor's played recently, I, I have to imagine that most Baylor fans are, are kind of itching for the team to get back in action and play a game and hopefully it not be as bad as the one that they played against Iowa state. It would be very nice to have the games continue on 21 days without the best Baylor basketball team of all time was a very tough pill to swallow during an already, Difficult time to exist with COVID-19. Yeah, most definitely. So um, kind of speaking about the layoff, you know, I'm sure that you kind of assumed that this question was coming. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least bring the topic up. The fact that Baylor was off for 21 days, um, you know, missed quite a few games. And even with all the rescheduling that's going to be happening, you know, Baylor's still only going to play 14 of the originally scheduled 18 Big 12 games that they had. Um, thoughts on kind of the way that the big 12 was able to get stuff rescheduled the way that they did, you know, I mean, like, I know that there was a lot of people that were upset when they found out that the, that the game that was supposed to be played tonight, like as we're speaking on Thursday night, um, against West Virginia ended up getting canceled. Um, and they ended up re, you know, reshuffling a few things. Um, do you think that they handled that rescheduling as well as they could have, or is this something that they should have done more to kind of take care of, or, I guess, really, what other alternatives do you think that they had to try to do that? I think they basically had to do this. My impression is that I think Baylor would have been okay playing West Virginia on Thursday and then playing them the next week. I think the struggle is that West Virginia was going to be put in a very tough spot to have to travel so much 
for three straight weeks and potentially play nine games in three weeks with that many road games and not having a pause. So I think it was unfair to West Virginia. I get their perspective. And so once you got rid of that West Virginia game, it kind of ultimately hurts Baylor a little bit because now Baylor has to travel to Morgantown as opposed to hosting West Virginia and Waco. So I think it's maybe a little bit tougher for Baylor to miss out on that game. Uh, If they would have still played 15, they could have added a different game next week and not played West Virginia and Morgantown. Um, But I get West Virginia's perspective, and I can't really complain about them not wanting to play potentially nine games in three weeks with how much they travel already. Yeah, I I don't even know that West Virginia didn't want to play that game, though. I mean, talking with, you know, there was some some radio interview, I guess, with with Huggins, um, where he seemed to imply, you know, didn't actually say it outright, but seemed to imply that he much would have, he would have much much rather played, you know, tonight on Thursday um, and either not played against Baylor next week or even potentially, you know, try to try to go ahead and actually play those and get them done. Um, and so, like, I don't know if that's him just, you know, kind of gamesmanship and kind of PR type of stuff. But there is definitely an argument to be made, you know, that you would rather play, you know, Baylor two games or their second game off of a big, long COVID pause than waiting until they, you know, they get an opportunity to play Kansas. Um, and then, you know, even though it is going to end up being at home, you know, at that point, like having them get, get an opportunity to play a quality opponent before you actually get to play them. So I, I can see an argument both ways. I think ultimately, though, I think where most people are, you know, the most upset is that is that the Big 12 Conference didn't do everything they could to try to get as many games as possible. Because while, while I understand that there's a lot of travel, you know, I definitely can see the argument that they, they've been doing this kind of stuff. There's, you know, Kansas had to do it um, two out of three weeks where they played three games in a week. So, like, it's not, it's not outside the realm of possibility. They've had to do this in the past. I don't know how much of it's just not wanting to do it going into the Big 12 tournament. Uh, but, you know, an, an idea that I had kind of floated and and I had heard some rumbling that this was something they had seriously considered and for whatever reason ended up scrapping it was just bringing all the teams into Kansas City early, you know, and then you can – because if you're not having to travel back and forth, and I, you know, I understand that some of these games wouldn't end up being at, you know, home gyms where, you know, so the, the teams would lose out on those home gyms. But, you know, if you play – four or five games in, you know, seven or eight days inside the Kansas, you know, like inside Kansas city, inside that kind of bubble environment, almost um, you can get yourself set up to make up quite a few of those games. I don't know if it's just because Baylor had so many of them and everyone else only needed to make up like two or three games. um, Or if they really just never actually considered that, even though it seemed to be something that they were floating out there pretty early. Sure. And I can, um, say that I don't think Baylor really wanted to duck games. I know that there were people that didn't even want Baylor to come back on Tuesday because they only got two practices in beforehand. Um, so I think that kind of this perception that Baylor does not want to play is just totally ludicrous um, from kind of conversations I've had and from kind of where I think the program is. They've wanted to play all season. They wanted to play the Gonzaga game earlier this year. They wanted to play – um, earlier when they had the Villanova game, and it's kind of been other things outside of their control that I think have really dictated not playing this year. Um, and so I, I get why people are frustrated saying, oh, Baylor's not playing, but I think it's insanity to say this. Like, Baylor has just so clearly been the best team in the Big 12 all season when they've played. Like, this isn't like um, a couple, of, you know, a few years ago where you could argue that, oh, is the league kind of bunched up? Like in 2018 when KU didn't win the league, you could argue the league was bunched up or – um, I don't think that or 2019, excuse me, but it's not like that this year, right? Um, I don't. Th- I just think it's kind of ludicrous to claim Baylor's avoiding people or ducking people. It's like they are just so clearly better than the rest of the league when healthy. They, it's just not an argument to me that somebody else has can say we would have won the Big 12 if everybody played. It's like no, you wouldn't have. You're not as good as Baylor this year. That's okay. Um, but it's to me like if you know 20, 2008 Kansas if they had missed some games. I know okay, you tied with Texas that year, but I think it's kind of like that where Baylor just in that tier when they play that it just I don't want to hear an argument that they've ducked anybody because they're so much better than the rest of the league this year. Yeah, I I, I don't know that I would say that they're ducking anybody. I do think it's extremely fortunate that they missed essentially every every difficult game on their schedule for the most part, um, especially oh, the so, ones in the road. Andy, I got to stop you. I, I just I, so I respect Andy a lot, but. Oh, I, uh, they won. They won at Texas is, by fifteen. It is they definitely a hyperbole to say every difficult game. Yeah, yeah I mean, they I, won I, Texas yeah. by fifteen, Oklahoma by fifteen, Oklahoma State at Stillwater by fifteen. They won in 
Lubbock by eight, which is the closest game of the season. They'll end up playing in Morgantown. They're going to play in Allen Fieldhouse to beat KU. Um, it would have been by 11 if not for uh, Tehan hitting a shot at the buzzer. So, yeah, yeah, I no, think- no, no. I mean, I, I will say that in the games that they have played, they have clearly been the better team um, in all except for, you know, they had a couple close calls, um, you know, or ones that honestly should have been close calls in certain instances. Like, I, I do think that they probably would have lost a game if they had played their schedule as it was just because of the craziness of the, of the big 12. And you could make an argument that some teams that were extremely hot, you know, going into the games they were supposed to play with Baylor could have had a decent chance to upset them. But I, I do think that none of those would have, at least, you know, even been a 50, 50 shot for them. Like it probably, you know, I think like the, the, the best opportunity someone would have had would maybe to get up to like a 45%, you know, chance of potentially winning that game if they had caught it when it was originally supposed to happen. I, I just, I just think that, when you're looking at, you know, Baylor with their undefeated record in, in the Big 12 Conference and, you know, a team like, um, well, I'm trying to think. I mean, like like a team like Kansas who was fairly far behind them in terms of the loss column, but they also hadn't played Iowa State, hadn't played Kansas, like hadn't played a lot of those easy games. And, like, it would have been nice to kind of break up some of the harder schedule that they potentially had. I, I do think that this week, you know, with them playing all of these games is going to go a long way – to figuring out if anybody has an, a potential argument to say that maybe Baylor wouldn't be looking quite so good if they had played the games when they were supposed to. If Baylor goes out and wins every single game they're on the rest of the schedule or you know maybe drops one close game but blows everyone else out, then there's absolutely no way you can argue that Baylor would have significantly you know fallen back to the pack at any point. Especially since, you know, like if, if Kansas pulls off the upset on Saturday and then Baylor goes out and wins all the rest of the games – and, you know, kind of sleepwalks to the, to the final of the Big 12 tournament, you know, whether they decide whether they actually, you know, care that much about winning it or not, or just want to make sure that they rest people up. And again, I, I don't know any of that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to imply anything there, but like, you know, if they, if they stumble once, especially in this game against Kansas, and then blow everyone else out, even though Kansas would have beat them in that game, it wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't tell me anything about Baylor, you know, coming back to the pack at all or anything like that, because they just came off a long COVID pause. And so, like, I'm not trying to advance the argument that, you know, Baylor isn't the best team in the Big 12, because I think they clearly are. There's there's no real arguing it. I do think, though, that there are several teams that had a decent opportunity to upset Baylor and really boost their tournament position if things had been played when they were supposed to. I, you know, I do agree with you that it's, that is ludicrous for anyone to say that anyone other than Baylor is the best team in the Big 12 this year. That's just, I mean, that's just the facts. That's just the way it is. I, I mean, it may not be a quite as big of a gap as the metrics point out here, or it may even be a bigger gap than we get after the end of this week. Cause you know, there, there is still a slim possibility that Baylor could lose multiple games in this rough stretch coming off of COVID pause based off of what we've seen from other teams that have had huge COVID pauses. So, you know, again, I, I, I wanted to make sure that we actually talked about it because I happen to agree with you. I think that it's extremely overblown. I think it's a bad look, but not for Baylor. It's a bad look for the Big 12 that they didn't have a contingency plan. They didn't have things set up. They didn't figure out, you know, that this was likely to happen for somebody. I, I honestly think that they thought that maybe this would happen, but we're just hoping it would be a team like TCU or Kansas State that lost, you know, significant portions of their schedule um, rather than the team that far and away seems to be you know, the best team in the league this year. It's just unfortunate that, you know, Baylor having their best team in basically forever is going to be marred by the fact that they weren't able to get their full scheduling because the Big 12 didn't plan well enough. Right. And uh, I totally are coming from all that, um, Andy. And I think the Big 12 deserves the blame because when Baylor, Texas got canceled in December, Baylor played Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Central Arkansas, and Alcorn State three games in a row to end the month. It was like the Big 12 should have added Texas in there. Iowa State game got canceled, not because of Baylor's fault. Uh, they didn't make that game up between January 9th and January 16th. So to me, it's like the Big 12 should have been making up games in the interim there and moving the schedules around more fluidly. So you get to the end of the year, you have that possibility. And then maybe the Big 12 should have thought about, if it were me this year, I would just not invite K-State um, and Iowa State to the Big 12 tournament. And then you don't have to play the Wednesday night games. And you could even get another game in potentially. Um, for conference games. So I think that just, yeah, the Big 12's not done a very good job with moving things around. Yeah, which is par for the course. The Big 12 routinely is not very good at actually, you know, planning ahead or getting this kind of stuff done. Um, so, yeah, again, I, I, it's one of those things I wanted to talk about. I, I happen to agree with you that, I, you know, there's no real argument that anyone other than Baylor is the best team in the Big 12. And regardless of how big the gap is, it's definitely clear that Baylor 
you know, should have been favored and probably would have won every single game that they had played if they had played it on time. Um, regardless, I want to take, I want to take a look here now because Baylor coming off of this pause, you know, they had a really rough game against Iowa state. Um, do you put any stock into what's happening there? Do you think that this is like due to COVID and could be a long-term long-term as in like into the next week? Um, or do you think it was literally just, they needed to shake all the rust off and now they're good to go. I think probably 20% of it was rust. 80% of it was that Iowa state just played a really good game. Uh, like tonight, Santa Clara, uh, played about 20 points better than Ken Palm had the result expected to be. Uh, I think just if you play the full 18-game Big 12 schedule, there'll be some nights where a team plays a little out of their mind. Obviously, K-State um, beat Oklahoma that same night. And so those results just kind of happened. Tyler Harris got inserted into the starting lineup for Iowa State. There's that shot quality metric that looks at kind of where do you shoot shots, where does your opponent shoot shots, and based on that result, what should happen. That result suggested that Baylor should have won by about 20 points. Now, embedded in that, that might lead to the question, well, did Baylor miss quality shots because they were a little bit rusty? Maybe they shot 8 of 25 from 3, but that's not totally horrible. Um, but I think that really it was just a little bit of rust, but mainly that Iowa State played a bit out of their minds. Baylor played a little below their level. But in the second half, they were, I think, doing very well adjusting and rotating defensively. I think they played pretty well. So if KU beats Baylor on Saturday and Jonathan Chamwa Chachua can play, and he didn't play on Tuesday, but I think it's I think he's going to play Saturday, but there hasn't been a direct answer. That's not insider knowledge or anything. But if he plays and there's a full lineup, I would expect it to mainly be that KU has some matchups to take advantage of. If there are, you know, 30% chance to win anyway, that's just kind of how it crumbles unless that COVID's the culprit. Yeah, I mean, so so taking a look at this game, because I happen to agree, I don't think that there's a lot you can take. Iowa State's jumped up and almost beat quite a few teams this year. Um, you know, and really, I mean, like, they they lost that one game to Kansas State because who knows what happened there. They honestly had no business losing that game. Um, you know, they, they are honestly a much better team than Kansas State, and somehow they just happen to, to, to lose that one. But, you know, as bad as they have looked at times, they have actually looked fairly consistently like a, a decent team that has had some bad luck, um, but, you know, is kind of just not quite been able to get over the hump there. So, um, but But looking ahead to this game, Baylor against Kansas, what do you, I mean, given the way that Kansas was able to kind of overcome, you know, a bad first half to, to make it a competitive game in the second half, like what are your expectations for this game? Are you, are you worried about anything that Kansas has been doing recently um, and how that might translate into this game against Baylor? Yeah, so it strikes me that if the teams don't just shoot horrendously from three, that I think both teams will be able to score pretty effectively against the other's defense. Um, obviously, KU's defending ball screens a little bit differently now. Bryce Thompson didn't play in the original matchup when he was out with the injury. Uh, but I think that Baylor has so many guards that it's tougher for KU to kind of hide Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson in this game. Now, you can make the argument they don't have to totally hide them all the time. But I think that it's a little bit different this year compared to last year where Davion Mitchell's a much better individual one-on-one score. Macy Oteague's better when he gets near the hoop. And then Adam Flagler's better than Devontae Bandu was. So I think Baylor will once again score pretty effectively against the Jayhawks. I think the challenge for Baylor is going to be on that other end where maybe Christian Brown and Ochai don't shoot quite as well as they did in the meeting in Waco, but they're still very good three-point shooters. But I think Bryce Thompson adds a little bit other level. And then David McCormick had kind of started his turnaround in that first meeting on MLK Day in Waco, but he's played so much better lately. I think the stat I saw when I looked through it was he shot sub-50%, 9 of 10 times to start the season, and 9 of 10 times in the last uh, set of games. He shot over 50%. So Baylor will have a bigger challenge if they need to double him in this game. But I think ultimately both teams are going to be very effective scoring on Saturday. And so that's what it will come down to probably two hits, a couple of threes to pull away. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously agree that like this is going to be how well Kansas stays in the game is going to be really depending on how well their three-point shooting does. I do think, though, that Kansas is going to be a little bit more effective defensively because while Bryce Thompson does not light up the stat sheet, you know, he, he doesn't fill up that, that stat sheet at all. Um, but he enables the flow of the defense for Kansas, or the flow of the offense as well. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't end up getting assists, but if they, you know, track, like, secondary assists, where, like, you make the pass that, allow, that passes open the guy that can then, you know, get it to the guy who scores the basket, he does that quite a bit. Um, he does a lot with the flow of this Kansas offense. And the fact that they're going to have him back, I think, is going to open up a lot of opportunities for Kansas um, in this particular game. Not to mention that he is a is he is a fairly good defender. He's not like Marcus Garrett level, 
um, but he can fairly well lock down either a side of the floor um, or an individual player for a decent amount of time. It's just a matter of, you know, Baylor's going to have to do a lot of ball movement. They're going to have to do a lot of things to really force guys to get open um, if they want the easy shots. The one thing that Kansas does have a a habit of doing is kind of overhelping on defense, which has burned them. It burned them a lot in that Texas game because McCormick was just off in that game. Um, I'll be really curious to see how McCormick does in this game because I do think that he is another guy that's going to be super important for this Kansas team. It's going to be, you know, if, if he is on, he has been absolutely phenomenal in conference play. Um, you know, this was a stat that actually I had shared previously on a prior episode, but, you know, before the game against Texas, his, his conference, like in conference stats were on par with the Thomas Robinson, all American year, um, you know, that he had there. So he has been absolutely phenomenal in conference play has really stepped it up. And it's really just a matter of, you know, can Baylor find a way to limit what he's doing? Because it's a huge drop off when you get to like Mitch Lightfoot. Um, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, while this is going to technically be the senior game, like the senior day game, um, I don't know that like Mitch is going to is going to have a lot of time in this particular game um, like you would normally see on on a senior day game. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what Baylor is able to do to limit what Kansas is trying to do. But I'm expecting to see a lot of McCormick or five guard, you know, play for the Kansas Jayhawks. I, I'm really interested to kind of see how Baylor will handle that, though, because while they have a decent number of guards, I don't know that I've actually seen Baylor, you know, play that kind of defense when they're dealing with five guards on the floor because Kansas didn't do that in the first meeting against Baylor. And I don't really know anyone else in the big 12 that actually is able to do that. So, I mean, what are your thoughts when Kansas breaks up that lineup? How, how is that going to affect what Baylor tries to do on defense? Yeah. So I don't think KU is going to be well served going small. Now maybe they will, and that'll work out well. The problem for KU, if they go small, is that that allows Baylor to go small and play four guards with Mark Vidal at center. And that makes it so Baylor will switch everything. And then the defense, I think, is just too good for KU to break down then. I think if you're KU, you want to play David McCormick as much as possible. And then Baylor will be forced to double. Then you can get shots around the perimeter with that. Um, They had that stretch against uh, Texas where McCormick wasn't in for all those. But when you get Marcus Garrett, Jalen Wilson, Ochai, uh, Dewan Harris, and Christian Brown – I think that adds a new element for Baylor. So I think that when small, Baylor is – I think Baylor has the best small lineup in the country, but it's when teams go big and Baylor necessarily can't stay small that they get into a problem. So I think Baylor is very well positioned to play a small ball game. I think it's when KU goes big that it's really the challenge for the Bears. All right. Well, I don't know how much more we can break down this game, so I'm just going to go ahead and um, – predictions for this game. How, how do you think the game's going to go? Do you think that Kansas is going to have a decent shot at actually pulling off the upset here? Uh, I do. I wouldn't be shocked if KU won this game by any stretch. What's KU have like a 20-year uh, streak of winning on senior day. Baylor coming back from a COVID pause. The Jayhawks have been good lately. I said preseason that KU would finish fourth in the Big 12, but I thought they'd make the final four. That's kind of all tracking right now. But I'll say Baylor wins 74-68, and that Macy Oteague has a good day for the Bears, but I would not at all be shocked if KU won this one. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one that, that Kansas probably really needs. They're going to be fairly motivated. I thought they did a lot of good things against Texas in that game um, and just weren't able to finish at the very end. But they had some, you know, unlucky breaks kind of go their way. But they played really well in that game. I think they're going to carry that momentum through. And as much as, you know, Baylor got right against Iowa State, I am concerned about, you know, the huge step up in competition because, you know, Kansas is definitely a much better team than Iowa State. Um, and while Baylor was able to get right against Iowa State, they really didn't actually completely get right until the end of the game. Like, they didn't take their first lead until the game was almost over. Um, you know, if they get off to a slow start, then it's going to be a lot harder for them to come back. Not saying that they can't do it. Uh, but I do think that Kansas is going to be real amped up for this one and that their energy, the one thing that they've pretty much lacked throughout this entire season, like, you know, have stretches where they go lethargic for large portions of the games. Um, I just, I don't see that being a problem in this particular game because it is senior day, um, you know, because of everything kind of going on. And this is their best opportunity to try to get a three seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. You know, they need this one. Um, they also probably want to avoid Baylor in the big 12 conference tournament bracket until the finals. So, you know, they're going to be extremely motivated to go ahead and actually win this game because I honestly think if they win this game, they're going to end up being, you know, at least the three seed in the, in the conference tournament, which is going to be super, super important for them. All right. Well, um, any other final thoughts that, that you want to leave us with tonight, Kendall? 
Uh, Andy, so what's your score prediction for this one? Um, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about that one. I do think it's probably going to be a fairly high-scoring game. So, like, if I had to give a prediction now, and I may I may end up changing this when we actually put the, the print prediction out. But my guess is that if I had to, to go with a score right now, I'd probably say, like, 81-75, Kansas. Okay, uh, and that's totally a reasonable score. Um, I think it'll be a little lower scoring than that, but that's very reasonable. Yeah, I just think Baylor's offense is really, really good. Um, you know, Kansas, it, when they're engaged and when they're super energetic, they can get up and down the score or the floor quickly. Um, they also tend to overhelp a little bit, which I think is going to give Baylor opportunities to score a little bit more than you would normally think. Um, you know, but these are the two best co- defenses in conference play. So I wouldn't be surprised if the score is held down a little bit. I just think that everyone's going to be energetic enough and amped up enough that it's going to be maybe a little sloppy at times, but there's going to be a lot of scoring in this one, I think. I can dig it. I, that makes a lot of sense, Andy. Yep. All right. Well, Kendall, thanks for joining me. It's always it's always great to have you on. One of these times we're going to have to, you know, once all this COVID stuff is done, we'll have to watch a Kansas-Baylor game at the same location because I think it'd be a blast to actually watch this with a knowledgeable, you know, basketball fan who obviously loves the Bears but uh, isn't, like, completely irrational about it. So we'll have to make that happen at some point. But, Kendall, where can the people find your work online? Uh, I appreciate that, Andy. They can find me on rdailybears.com or on Twitter, which is my name, K-E-N-D-A-L-L-K-A-U-T. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks, Andy. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can leave us a rating and a review as well, five stars and nice comments would be absolutely great. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, if you want to try to interview anything like that, you can contact me by email email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You can also get your voice on the show. Do that by going to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast-slash-message. Leave us a voicemail. I promise we'll get it on the show for you. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.